welcome back to the Rising Youth Podcast. If you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook, as well as check out our website. On this week's episode, we have a new host, Vivian Petrino from the SUSC Podcast team, interviewing Saif Khan from My Voice Magazine. Without further delay, here's the episode. Awesome. Okay, so I think we're going to start off just uh, getting you to introduce yourself and um, getting into My Voice as a whole. Um, so, um, yeah, tell us who you are to start off with. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so uh, my name is Saf Khan. I'm 16 and I live in Milton, Ontario. Um, I'm a high school student, but I'm also a really passionate uh, designer and illustrator and uh, overall just a creative who's interested in a variety of things. Um, and I'm currently an outreach coordinator and youth exec with My Voice Canada. So My Voice is a magazine um, and also a nonprofit organization that engages Muslim youth with media, the arts, um, and leadership opportunities. Um, and basically that it's to allow young Muslims and also other marginalized youth that we work with uh, to be able to navigate their identities um, through creative means. Perfect. And can you maybe speak to um, the organizational part of the journalism and media workshop that you you had helped out with? Uh, yeah, for sure. So basically, we applied um, for the Rising Youth Grant in order to support um, the quarter one of our uh, project this year, which is we're calling the My Voice Academy. Um, and the academy is just basically a series of workshops and other events um, that are supposed to be for you know the my voice audience um, in order to engage with the work that we do and uh, learn you know through the process so for quarter one um, our emphasis was you know very much on media and uh, journalism um, so you know with that it kind of came out of a conversation that um, um, I believe that us, like my voice youth had with Muslim representation in the media and also, you know, not just with smaller things, but, you know, with a lot of larger issues um, and how Muslims are perceived. So, you know, it's really important to understand how to think critically when you're looking at this type of stuff and in order to navigate that. So for the first um aspect of that we organized a workshop on journalism media and fake news and for that we got journalist uh, Stephen Zhu and Janelle, Janella Massa who I believe is now the host of CBC's uh, Canada Tonight and that workshop um, you know was to kick off the quarter and it was basically um, two segments by the two guests that were around um, both journalism and you know, the aspects to being a journalist and all of that. And then the second aspect was on news, thinking critically with news and understanding uh, fake news and, you know, how to how it gets passed around because, you know, it's a really big issue uh, nowadays, even more with older generations and, uh, you know, even with us too. So figuring out how to navigate that. Um, and it was an amazing session. Um, and then afterwards, we held a communication workshop with a public speaking coach um, and that from the first session um, to be able to 
the youth from the workshop to be able to give presentations on, um, you know, the content that was covered and to be able to give speeches and presentations, you know, on journalism and fake news. So after that communication workshop, we were all able to give small presentations um, on different aspects within that realm of media on things that were important to us. So for my group, um, we presented a piece on the political polarization of Muslim communities. And this was at the time, you know, around the US election. So we felt that polarization was a really important thing to be talking about. So that's what we decided to go into and to speak about uh, based on what we learned from the session and also, you know, our own research and findings. Um, and yeah, it's just based on the idea that um, polarization is kind of seeing politics as, you know, a binary, the left to the right. And that was a big thing in the US at the time. And, you know, even here with us looking at that so much as Canadians, um, so yeah, it was, it was really interesting to hear the other presentations too, as well to give ours and to contribute back into the space um, that we made with the sessions. For and then sure. uh, to close that off, we held an open mic night event at the end of it all uh, virtually, and it was called the Minority Report. And um, that we decided to shift our focus a bit to move towards talking about systemic racism um, and yeah, that was held in collaboration with NCCM or the National Council of Canadian Muslims. Um, and with that, it was just a, it was a great session with uh, spoken word, poetry, a lot of other amazing performances that um, were centered around white supremacy, Islamophobia, and um, systemic racism. And um... How how big of a part do you think that my voice plays in in the Muslim community um, at this point, especially for just even having these open mic nights and and these workshops? Like how how do you think that really impacts the the youth? I think the Muslim community is very Muslims in general are very community oriented, which is a great thing, and there's a lot of work happening community work, there's different organizations, um, you know, within our mosque spaces and even outside of that with different groups. Um, and I think my voice is very unique um, in a lot of different ways because um, how arts and creative oriented we are, you know, I think the kind of space that that provides is really unique for a lot of you uh, with publishing the magazine and having a space to navigate a lot of these complex issues through um, writing and through illustration work and those creative means, you know, and also our video work, um, digital media. We have a team of youth that's actually learning about app development and they're developing an app for my voice. And I think I don't see a lot of that, you know, um, sure there's opportunities to get involved in creative work and there's opportunities to explore um, you know, your identity as a racialized person and as a Muslim and, and to have conversations about racism and Islamophobia and to do that work. But the thing about my voice is that it takes these two things, you know, the creative sphere and then the other side of that with Islamophobia and those issues, and it intersects them together. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful pairing because it allows um, for so much to come out of that 
content wise to give to our audience who are both Muslim and non-Muslim to learn themselves to see authentic Muslim youth representation in that. And also for ourselves, you know, it goes back to us and, and giving us a space to learn um, through, through really exciting means. Thank you. You spoke very beautifully about that. It was awesome. Um, I actually wanted you, um, if you're if you're okay with it, to talk about how important you know arts is as a community. You you did talk about it a little bit as well previously, but um, just maybe to emphasize, um, yeah, how how important it is to um, the Muslim community because the Muslim community you just said is is very community based. So if you could just get into that a little bit as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's like this concept that the arts um, are a tool that like envision the future. And I think that that's a really beautiful, you know, way of putting it. Um, so I think with the creative work that we do at My Voice, I think that that um, allows for our youth to be able to envision what the future can look like and to to be very you know future oriented and look towards what can be rather than focusing on now um, and and having the arts serve as almost like a blueprint to what we want to build for our communities um, as we move forward that's why i think the arts is, are so important is because that it it serves as, as a you know tool for that for building that it's a starting point if anything so, um, you know, I think with the writing, um, with the digital media work, um, and with the other work, you know, the, the events that we have that facilitate stuff like spoken word and communication word-based um, presentation work, I think that that allows for people to get creative and to imagine what the, the, the world can look like and more specifically um, Muslim communities in Canada and also youth opportunities, you know, for Muslims in Canada. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. And um, I also would like you to speak to, you know, how you got, you know, into your role, why, why you're currently so passionate about it. And um, yeah, I guess those two are, are, are maybe the most important for right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I got involved with My Voice, I believe, in 2019, and um, that I was at a workshop session for another organization, and someone from My Voice came and they actually handed out free magazines, and I thought it was really cool because, you know, just in general, I'm really into artwork and illustration, so I thought it would be really cool to have a platform to show my work on, and, you know, right after I got home, I checked out their website and I um, caught in contact with them. And, you know, before I knew it, I was illustrating for the magazine and contributing that work. And then, you know, being part of that network, I saw more opportunities come up um, and, you know, different projects that My Voice was working on. And slowly I got more involved um, with the exact team of My Voice and um, organizing for that. Um, yeah. And, and then just led to where I am today over the course of, you know, the, the years I've, I think I've worn a few hats, you know, from doing social media work to now more focusing on outreach um, and coordinating with other groups and, you know, forming those relationships. Um, 
yeah, I think I've I've been able to do a lot within my voice. You know, even now I'm working. We're working on a lot of projects. I've I'm working with a small team of designers who are a part of my voice, and we're working on you know a rebranding. Um, and and that's not only for you know obviously to actually rebrand, but for ourselves to learn about rebranding um, and design. And we were working with a professional designer and also learning on our own. Um, and um, yeah, and you know, even at, at the end of the day, my favorite thing would probably just be the illustrating. I still illustrate for the magazine. It's super yeah. cool because you initially started off with such a passion to illustrate and now it's coming like full circle around and you're continuously doing that. But you've also found so many different opportunities and other places that you really identify with. Um, so I actually want to uh, pose a question on like the versatility aspect. Um, so what is your favorite currently in terms of like the digital media, the social media illustration? What would you say now? Um. That's a hard question, but like if I had to pick, I I think I really like connecting with other people and you know other groups, um, collectives, institutions. So that's why I probably have to say that the outreach part is probably my favorite because I just love connecting with other organizations that have similar um, goals or do really interesting work. Um, you know, forming a relationship, doing stuff together. I I really think that's beautiful. Um, and, and that's probably, you know, what I'm most passionate about is making those connections and connecting because, um, yeah, you're forming that and forming more of a community for my voice. I think that, that that's really beneficial because, you know, it increases the impact of the work that we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of maybe where you see my voice going, let, let's say in, in 10 years from now, in five years from now, actually, um, where would you want to see my voice, and 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 what what type of impact would you want to see um, from from now till then? Oh, that's a really great question. I, I think that my voice does so much, um, you know, as serving as a publication and a platform, but also our event and nonprofit work. I think that what I really want to focus on for the future is, you know, expanding, you know, the impact and growing an audience, um, growing a larger network of contributors and creatives and youth that we work with, um, just to become like a, a larger platform that serves as a voice for Muslim youth. And, you know, like I mentioned before, other marginalized youth that we work with. Um, yeah, and, and to just become like that space and, and to grow as big as we can to be um, a creative space for like doing that with our magazine. I think we really want to like move. We do have like our print magazine that we would distribute to various community spaces, but obviously with the pandemic and everything, it has made it more difficult. So I think we're really trying to shift to a more digital side. And we, we are doing that currently with our, you know, digital media work. But even more so, um, you know, to, to just grow in general um, and, yeah, share more content and, and um, inspire more people. I think that's amazing. I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, 
So you so you mentioned uh, during the the pandemic, you guys kind of had to pivot a little bit with the magazine from print to digital media. Uh, describe that journey and um, you know the positives, negative setbacks that you guys might have had during that process. Yeah. So I think initially we like had we weren't really sure what we were doing about the magazine. It kind of just went on hold a bit since we do have other projects going on, um, I think that we just decided to focus on the other stuff that we were doing. Um, and, you know, out of the beginning of the pandemic, we had a video series that we worked on a lot. And then we had, um, I think a few other stuff going on. Um, but eventually um, with the magazine, we decided to upload it on the our website. So um, just making it available in a similar format and using a platform, I believe the platform we use is, is issue.com and embedding that in our website to make it accessible um, to our readers. Um, and then just really trying to on our social media, um, and pivot like the content and, and what we're sharing to, um, you know, different formats like video. So in the past, we have a column on our magazine called Just Ask, and it's a space, it's, um, it's answered by a guidance counselor. Well, he was a guidance counselor in the past, mashallah, he's now a vice principal, um, but it's answered by that guidance counselor and it's questions that youth are, you know, maybe can't ask their parents, they can't ask their imams or community leaders, um, and they just want to ask anonymously because they don't feel comfortable, you know, those, those very scary questions. So it's, it was answered in the magazine and, you know, it's kind of that column and it was very nice because all of those questions are very important. Um, and I'm like low-key starting to tear up. I That is so beautiful. I'm so glad that you guys do that. Um, and this is this is a monthly installment of just questions that that come up. Um, and so, do you guys like typically throughout the pandemic has has there been more questions that have been asked because it's been such a tumultuous time, or um, have you guys found that it's maybe been decreasing a little bit? Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure. Um, like That's about fair. the number of questions that we've gotten, mm -hmm. I usually just like see them pop up. Yeah. on the magazine um you know but how do you that, feel when you when you when you're seeing it and, and reading some of those questions like can you identify with them yourself as well and you feel like you're being understood yeah a lot of the times i can't identify with them because there are questions i wouldn't ask either um and i think it's really good that there are folks who are out there and you know even though it is anonymous they having the bravery to to put it out there to, to try to get something out of it and learn um, I think that that's really important. Um, and you know, with that, with our column in the magazine, it's released quarterly in every issue. We have four magazine issues in the year and um, there's a just ask column in every one. And then um, a couple years ago during Ramadan, we released a video series that was based off of the just ask column. Um, so it kind of, it, it took the questions that were being asked and it answered them to a video format. So we had the answer from the guidance counselor, obviously, and then the the youth hosts that would like, uh, um, you know, be the faces of the videos would create a script and answer the question to that. 
um, which I thought was amazing. And we're actually getting back to do that. Um, our video team with My Voice Now, we're working on, they're working on a series called Candid Convos. And it's a video series that is based on the Just Ask model and taking those really hard questions and having intimate conversations about them um, and those topics that are um, sometimes taboo within the Muslim community or sometimes just awkward to talk about. Um, so I'm really excited to see how that is going to turn out. Definitely. I'm, I'm excited for it too. Like that sounds incredible. Um, and I feel like it'll definitely help so many people, um, especially because you guys, you know, you, you're very much so a community and, and that's very important to you. And, um, I, I, I really love that, honestly. Um, so I wanted to ask, um, in terms of, you know, how the grant directly helped your project, um, would you be able to speak a little bit about that? Um, yeah. So I believe mainly it helped with um, paying our guests um, and, so you know, compensating them for the work that they contributed to the sessions. Like I mentioned before, we had a lot of really great people come out um, and teach us. So um, I think it was really important to ensure that they were fairly compensated for um, what they gave to my voice. Um, and then other than that, um, stuff like uh, prizes that we had, like for the open mic night and um, the presentation sessions that we did. Um, and then for the first session, it was like hybrid. It wasn't that bad for like the pandemic back then. It was like kind of like an iffy time. So we had um, half like online. There was an option to join online, but there was an in-person part to that. So we had food for that. Um, but yeah, mainly it was just compensating the guests that we had and having, you know, prizes and um, a reward for attending the workshops and the sessions. Mm. And and um, what were some of the, the prizes and like the little goodies that you guys would give out? Um, there were mainly like Amazon gift cards, um, which honestly I, I like to get the best because you have the freedom to choose what you want to get from that. So true. That's awesome. I think like every young person would want, even older people would want like uh, an Amazon gift card because there's just so many options on, on that yeah. standpoint. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Exactly. Um, and so upcoming for my voice, um, what do you guys have upcoming in the next you know few months? Yeah, we have a, a lot actually. So like I mentioned before, we have our Candid Convos video series, which is a take on the Just Ask uh, column in our magazine. Um, we have our, a team of youth that's working on developing an app and a platform for My Voice. Um, we're going to continue publishing our magazine, of course. Um, we have, as always, amazing content coming out from there, from you know the writing um, to even the design work. It's all designed by youth, so just visually too. Um, and our workshops and events, we have more coming up. Um, we actually are working with um, a couple organizations, actually, one of them being Justice for All, which is a nonprofit based in Canada and the US. Um, and they're affiliated with the United Nations and 
we're working with them along with a couple other groups to host a open mic night um, about injustice um, you know from a global and transnational standpoint mm -hmm. um, and figuring out how we can contribute to helping you know marginalized populations across the globe that's amazing it's absolutely amazing um I kind of want to want to go back a little bit um, just to I don't, I don't know why I find so much power in, in the open mic um, portion of it. But, um, um, you know, you, a lot of a lot of people's voices have been suppressed for so long. And it's obviously like this just disgusting. Um, so can you talk about maybe how good it felt to be a part of that open mic night and like hear just everyone around you speaking so freely and, and justly so like what, what that night was like for you and um, what you observed. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really liked, you know, the, the diversity of perspectives that came from that night. We had a lot of different people that were contributing to performing um, and Oh, aside from that, we had like the panel part of it that was hosted with folks from NCCM. Um, so I think that the conversations that were happening and the dialogue that was took place within that event was really important because I think it's important to hear from other people's you know perspectives on um, talking about microaggressions, talking about racism, um, that like different takes on that um, was really important and understanding other people's experiences with that um, is, is eye-opening um, and it's educational. And I, I think that that was one of my biggest takeaways was just um, being able to dive into other people's points of views and their perspectives. And the most important part being their experiences and being able to share their experiences and build off that and move forward, you know, with an understanding of how people are, you know, going through these different things with facing Islamophobia and racism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you, you mentioned, um, you know, just talking about microaggressions and um, Islamophobia. And so, um, so other than um, the the open mic night. This is this is an ongoing uh, basis discussion on how to combat that. And um, um, what are some other, I guess, um, resources or um, conversations you guys have around this? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think with yeah, like you just put it, um, a lot of my voices work centers around working against that. Um, and I think, you know, if you want to learn from the work that we do, like it's all out there. So, um, content from a magazine, though it is diverse and like the stuff that we allow you to write about, um, you know, a lot of the, it does center around those types of topics. So, you know, looking through our magazine and learning from the voices of the different youth who contribute, um, is really important to understanding, um, the experiences of the Muslim youth who are part of my voice um, and, um, you know, looking at our video content, um, our workshop sessions, like our upcoming one, 
um, our open mic night that's happening with Justice for All. Um, you know, signing up for those events, coming out, um, listening to the, the folks who are presenting and speaking at that um, is important if you want to learn from, you know, what my voice has to offer. In terms of, um, I guess, some of the different plugs. Um, so on your, uh, like, I know you guys have an Instagram and uh, YouTube channel as well and Twitter. Um, would you be able to shout out some of the plugs? Yeah, for sure. Um, so if you want to learn more about My Voice, you can check us out on our Instagram, which is at My Voice Canada. Our YouTube has all of our video stuff. Um, it's just My Voice Canada. Um, and then there's also our website that you can visit, which has all of our socials and information, www.myvoicecanada.com. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much most of our plugs, I believe. Okay. and. Um... I think I have like uh, one more question. I think Christopher might may also come in with a, a question or two as well in a little bit. Um, so we talked about how you received the grant and how it's, you know, helped, helped um, my voice, but um, how did you actually really find out about the grant initially? Um, I, I believe, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty, like, I believe that, I found it through Instagram and seeing another group, um, a nonprofit group that was running a project with support from a rising youth grant. And I saw the logo. The logo is really eye-catching um, on their promotional material. And from that, um, I was able to check out, um, you know, their Instagram. And then that led me to the website where I was able to learn more about uh, rising youth and um, the grants that they offer. Um, yeah, that's how I found out about Rising Youth. Awesome. Awesome. And um, just about, I'm going to go back to the community. I'm sorry. Um, just about the sort of community engagement. Um, I know that, you know, you have, you have most likely gotten close to a lot of the people that you've been working with. Um, how has that evolution grown with the people that you've been working with? Um, like, are you, are you, uh, you know, friends with them and, and can you say you, you, um, you're moving forward with them and whatnot and, and how has more so that community, um, affected your personal life in a positive way? Yeah, I think that's an amazing question. Um, I, yeah, I think I have connected with a lot of the people, um, that I've worked with from my voice, you know, my team members, uh, folks that I've met at like just sessions at one-time things, um, and, and that, I think that comes from more of like the intimate conversations that we have where we're able to draw on our experiences when that comes you know, into the limelight. Like maybe it's at a session where we um, were like part of an activity is, you know, talking about um, something that, you know, relates to our identities as, um, you know, Muslims or racialized people or, you know, anything of that sort. Um, or, you know, at a meeting where we're planning a project and we're working on something and that requires us to draw back um, on that and going back to, you know, the, the core intention of, the, of what my voice is for. Um, I think that allows us to connect, um, you know, based on our experiences and who we are. Um, and also what, the, what impact we want to have on our communities um, through the work that we do with my voice. Mm. And it's like one person 
can be so impacted by this and then just go tell one of their friends and you have mm-hmm. like sort of like a bunch of people from the community coming out and it's like this hot spot to, to just be yourself and like um identify with you with your um, culture and religion and, and just so many aspects to it. Um, can can you speak on maybe um, grassroots grassroot, um, marketing and how um, other people have heard about it that you've known of? Yeah, um, I feel like in like the pre-pandemic era, um, a lot of my friends knew about my voice just because it was like just, you know, there in going to like the Asian grocery, like convenience store and seeing it on the counter, um, maybe one of their parents would pick it up for them and kind of having that interaction with it. I know one um, student that I've spoken to, she, um, for her Islamic school class, their teacher would like pick a box up and like distribute it to them, which, I've never heard of it before, you know, hearing about how they, how folks like interact with the magazine or how they used to interact with the magazine is really interesting. And I think that was like one of the biggest um, things It's how it goes around and how they just, you know, hold it. Maybe they flip through it. Maybe they read a few articles. Maybe they get involved with it further. Maybe they don't. Um, I I think that's really interesting how it's gone around. I know there's a professor at UFT who teaches a class, I'm not exactly sure what the class is, but it does obviously have something to do with religion and community and ethnicity. Um, and they would look, the students will look at My Voice magazine, um, you know, as an example of a community project and an arts project from a religious community, which I thought was really cool that, you know, university students were studying that. Um, and just seeing how yeah, how it goes around, seeing it in libraries, seeing it in other spaces. And then now with, you know, being more digital, I think that that has translated itself itself online um, to, you know, seeing our posts being shared um, and, you know, see, uh, like getting emails from different organizations, um, having different people come out to our sessions um, and just like, being grateful for like the space that we provide. Um, yeah, I think it's, it, it just comes from, you know, people sharing um, and, and coming across it. I think that's, that's like the main aspect of like how word gets about about my voice. And I think that's really interesting. I, I love the example, the U of T example you used. I think that's incredible. That is so cool that it's being essentially like studied at U of T in a class. Like that's awesome. Um, and I wonder if that's maybe um, made people more curious and, and, and um, you know, you've gained more of a, a following because of that. Um, because maybe certain um, areas don't know about my voice and, and now they do and and now they want to be affiliated with it in any capacity they can as well so that's super cool uh, did you go into how the rising youth program assisted with the development of the production so we didn't really get into uh, a lot of that so maybe we can just go over that fully um, in terms of like the operational and informational support um and I know we talked a lot about the workshops and the prizes that were given and, and that kind of stuff, but maybe we can go over that um, one more time in terms of like the operational uh, standpoint and how it was informational. Um, 
yeah, I think overall just applying for it was really easy. And it also sort of like doing the application for the grant, I think it kind of forces you to plan it out more, you know, in an organized manner because you, you do have to explain it um, when you're applying and, and in turn you do then have it for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like the budget spreadsheet, um, the um, different questions that you answer that kind of summarize the goals of the project. I think that that's important because um, not not just because you're doing it for the application, but it, it allows you to be more organized yourself for whatever project you're organizing. I think that really helped with me, um, you know, just for preparing for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then Rising Youth really helped with promotion. I think, you know, sharing um, the stuff that we were doing on social media. I was in contact with someone in terms of, you know, promotion and sharing it. Um, and um, yeah, I think that they were really supportive of that. And I believe we did invite um, like folks from Rising Youth to one of the events we held. I, I believe it was the open mic night, but it could be wrong. Um, and then we did have some people come out, which was great. Um, and That's awesome. Yeah, I think from the promotional support we got from Rising Youth, that also really helped with getting more people um, involved. Uh, I think that, yeah, that really helped. Um, and other than that, even after the quarter one was done for, you know, and, and we submitted our report and everything, the alumni hub um, and being connected as an alumni with Rising Youth is going to help in the future. Because um, I think, you know, looking at the hub and seeing everything that's there, all the resources and the community that exists there is really important um, and I, I'm really glad to be able to have access to that um, looking at the, the sessions that are happening I know there was there was a few actually that were happening um, for rising youth alumni I definitely want to attend more in the future as they happen um, and just being connected with the rising youth community overall um, in order you know I mentioned before I really love connecting with other organizations and groups and I think that that's going to help um, in the future, you know, for me personally, but also for the benefit of my voice um, to connect with other um, communities and youth. Mm -hmm. For sure. Thank you for, for getting into that a little bit. And um, we didn't really talk about um, um, ages and um, if there is a certain, um, not necessarily cutoff point, but if there's a specific age group that uh, you guys are going for or um, what more of that looks like, um, if you can kind of explain that a little bit. Yeah, so My Voice works with, you know, youth in general. So that's high school students, but it's also um, university students up to, I believe, the age of 29. And um, yeah, so we work with a pretty large range of youth. We have some older folks, and then we do have, you know, a lot of uh, younger youth who are involved. And even, you know, with the older people that are involved with My Voice, there are um, um, older who are involved with the work that we do. And, you know, they serve as mentors and um, helping lead the youth teams, um, you know, just providing guidance and support there having mentors is really, really important. And um, I think that's such a big part of my voice is also the mentorship that you get from the different projects that you're working on. So um, 
yeah, we work with a, a pretty large age range from like, you know, the 14 to 29 year olds for youth. And then, you know, even after that point for um, folks who volunteer as mentors. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. And so it, there's technically like there is a, an age range, but you're more than welcome to come back and volunteer and, and mentor and whatnot as well, which is yeah, amazing. Sure. That's really cool. And um, so how did you actually manage to get in contact with uh, Janella Massa from CBC? So Chris, with that. Yeah, oh yeah, okay, so <laughs> that wasn't me, um, but it was um, one of our mentors actually. So, you know, going back to the mentor part, um, uh, the founder of My Voice, um, Sister Nargis, she was actually the one who got in, um, into contact with Janella Massa um, and invited her to, the session and got her to, um, yeah, speak at the workshop. Um, I believe she, you know, Susan, I guess actually, she's a founder of My Voice and, um, you know, herself does a lot of work um, in, I'm not too sure, but she does a lot of interesting work um, for- Like you know, community another, engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and even with another, uh, like a Muslim organization that she, she's involved with and works for, um, you know, with organizing workshops and doing a multitude of really interesting things. And I think that's how she was connected to uh, Janella and yeah, got us in contact with her. Awesome, awesome. And so is that something that you think that will kind of happen on an ongoing basis? Not necessarily with uh, Janella, but um, with, you know, other, um, people that are, are in the arts and journalism and communications field and, you know, digital media field, um, are you guys going to continue maybe um, trying to get some other people to come out and sort of be that mentor? Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I think we've had a lot of interesting people come out and um, speak at our session, probably justice for all. We had a lot of cool um, people from justice for all, Canada and also in the U.S. come out and speak. Um, in one of the breakout rooms, I was with um, an older gentleman who is involved with Justice for All, and he's based in New York, and he works for the United Nations, actually. And it was really cool to talk to him about the work that he was doing, which is um, very important um, and to connect with him. And there's a lot of interesting people. I know I was watching a live stream that we were doing, uh, my voice was doing, um, called the race against racism and then we had um, one of the guests for the live stream was Buna Muhammad who is a very prominent spoken word artist it was really cool to see him um, you know come out and talk on that live stream session um, and yeah I, I think that there's a lot of cool folks that we've connected with and hopefully we'll continue to connect with um, as we do more work for sure no that's definitely quite incredible that you know he he had come out and, and wanted to be a part of this. And yeah, I, I hope that more people definitely get on board as well. That's really cool. Um, is there anything else you you want to say about my voice and you want to put out there? I'll give you like a minute to just think about it. No rush. Yeah, just sorry, no problem. Um, yeah, so going back to the intention, the main intention of my voice um, and, you know, Islamophobia and racism. Muslim youth exist in a post 9-11 and post war on terror world. 
you know, where the word Islam itself is used in, you know, so many different contexts by the West um, and, you know, Islamophobia being on the rise itself and, you know, all of, all of those other things together, um, this overall world view of Islam, it, it causes conflict within Muslim youth in the West. Um, so there's a lot of identity issues that youth have, you know, with their faith-based identities as Muslims and, you know, navigating them in a, in a world where Islam is perceived in such a strange way. Um, you know, I've been reading the work of Edward W. Syed, who's an academic, um, more, more prominently known for his book called Orientalism from 1978. And um, I've been reading his book, I've been reading his book covering Islam. And Syed dives into the application of the word Islam and how it's not really defined by, you know, the white journalists and academics in most cases who, you know, in most, most of the time don't have knowledge of the actual faith, but rather use it as a scapegoat, you know, to blame a lot of problems, um, especially post 9-11 and, and post a lot of, you know, the war on terror and all of these different events. And uh, it, it doesn't only shape how non-Muslim populations see Islam, but how Muslims themselves see it. And, and that causes, you know, a lot of issues. And this has pushed for, and in a lot of cases, it still does push for increased surveillance and um, policing of Muslim communities um, in, in a lot of different places in what is now known as North America, um, and also even more so, you know, in places like Europe. Um, you know, and just building off of that, I think another intersection. So another one of my favorite books is Freedom is a Constant Struggle um, by Angela Davis. And she she talks about the real, the importance of intersectionality within advocacy and organizing. And I think from that, I also got the importance of intersectionality um, within creative work and what my voice does. And the word intersectionality, it stems from black feminism or women of color feminism. Um, and Angela Davis, you know, talks more about things like the prison industrial complex and the military industrial complex and how these systems are used as, you know, they inflict violence from the United States to Palestine um, and the rest of the Middle East, you know, to populations like the people of Palestine, um, policing and Islamophobia and Islamophobic government policy in France, um, the Black uh, Latinx and indigenous populations in Turtle Island, and even the incarceration of Uyghur Muslims and other ethnic minorities, minorities in China. Um, you know, so Islamophobia and systemic racism, you know, even white supremacy are used to fuel um, these injustices against marginalized communities. You know, that's why I think it's so important, the work that my voice does, because it, it kind of draws on this and reflects on that. Um, you know, all of these different things and it allows us to reflect um, and, but also to envision and move forward, you know, for what comes next um, for Muslim youth uh, in particular and Canadian Muslim youth. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to bring that up for a bit. I think that that um, message is really important and I wanted to get that across. That was amazing. You speak so elegantly. I don't know how I've never heard of, you know, freedom is a constant struggle. I, I wrote that down. So I'm definitely going to read that book. That's incredible. And just, it sounds like you've definitely 
done a lot of your own research and like you've tried to understand why why this is the case like I think all not all of us but a lot of a lot of people tend to wonder why our world is so corrupt and and you know why things are the way they are so that's incredible that at such a young age you're you're um cognizant and and doing all of this research um I kind of want to ask you how important is rep representation so how how important is representation of seeing people that that look like you that believe the same things you do um how has that formed your life how has that been so crucial um for my voice i know it is but i, I just wanted to ask yeah I, I think representation is very important to me and to um muslim youth in particular because you know we're so connected with our you know, just as young people, we're obviously very connected to our popular, like pop culture. So a lot of us look for representation in a lot of places. And I've also been reading, you know, about Muslim youth culture. Um, it was this one book, I forgot the name of it, but, um, you know, how Muslim youth demographics uh, move towards, have moved towards things like um, hip hop or um, rap and um, a lot of different cultural movements that were happening um, because of um, like looking at like the civil rights movement um, and um, like the connection between a lot of Muslim, black Muslims and hip hop and how they kind of use that as a tool to express themselves. Um, and I was, I was also reading about, you know, the, how that translates and moves to Europe and Muslim youth in Europe um, have, have done their own work of, um, from like music groups to things like that, where they, you know, use that as a way to channel um, talking about Islamophobia, talking about racism, talking about policing, um, and and how they're striving to create that culture for themselves. So I think that that's kind of, my voice kind of mirrors that because that's also what we're doing to like writing and the other type of work that we're doing um, to build representation, but authentic representation, because it does exist and sometimes it isn't, um, you know, proper or authentic, and it doesn't uh, speak to our truth as Muslim people or racialized people. And, um, you know, sometimes it's harmful as well. Um, if you want to look at or Islamophobic and racist representation, that exists as well. So, yeah, I think that that is also central to the work that my voice does. And, um, you know, we, we want to help create more representation through the work that we do. For sure. No, that it, it's definitely a very, very crucial uh, portion. Um, in terms of, yeah, when you're, so you talked a little bit about, um, you know, uh, Muslims, you know, being able to turn on a TV and, and sort of like hear something that they can relate to or see something where they can relate to. Um, and I'm wondering is at this point in time, is that the case? And like, what do you think we need to do to move to a better place where that is the case? If, if you don't think it is the case. Um, I mean, I think it would depend on, you know, the, the context of what that 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 means i think in canada um in canadian media i think there's a lot of stuff that's happening um 
just as you know Muslims themselves are being more involved in those spaces as you know creatives as filmmakers as um, writers um, you know as, as as taking on different roles and being involved in those industries I think that that's happening I see it a lot in um, a lot of different projects I know you know, one great example is uh, Sisterhood Media. It's a streaming platform that's run by uh, a Black Muslim woman um, who is Canadian, and they feature um, content that is by racialized creatives. Um, and and I think stuff like that it's it's happening, and it's people, folks creating their own spaces, and you know, kind of saying that we're gonna take charge of how we tell our own stories. Um, and I think. We're on the right track. We're definitely not there yet, but we are getting getting there. And um, my voice is definitely trying to be part of that conversation and going that way. Definitely, I think I think it definitely is is um, spur holding and and propelling mm-hmm. so many voices and giving people voices even. So that's incredible. Um, and I'm just wondering now, is there is there anything else you uh, want to discuss or talk about um, before we um, sign off? I, I think, yeah, just to add on, I think if I could talk a bit about how my voice has impacted me personally. Please, that would be amazing. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, as a young creative myself, having a space like my voice has really empowered me to, to do a lot of things. It's pushed me out of my comfort zone. Um, like I said, I, I think I'm a very quiet person overall. And I told you that my favorite thing is connecting with people and outreach. So, you know, it's kind of weird, right? Because So I think that that came from my voice, you know, it pushed me out of my comfort zone. It required me to, to, to experiment and to try new things. And I think that that's really helped with me um, to, to grow and to, um, you know, gain new skills. Um, that'll help me later on in life and do help me now. And um, I think just the, the experiences that I get from my voice um, are really beneficial. The conversations, the people that I get to meet, the projects that I get to contribute to um, are really interesting. You know, like kind of more superficially, yeah, it helps my portfolio and it helps my resume. Um, but, you know, on a more spiritual level and a, on a personal level, I think that, that also helps. Um, and um, developed me. I remember we visited a synagogue in 2019, um, and I really, I really enjoyed that. I liked that. I like connecting with the youth. We talked about anti-Semitism and Islamophobia, and morality. It, it was a conversation that revolved around um, our new magazine issue. We visited the synagogue in kind of like before the magazine started being worked on. So the theme was morality. It was called the price of morality. So we kind of got to explore how our morals and values are shaped by our faiths in relationship to the societies we live in. Um, and I think that that was such a cool conversation and, and, and interfaith and interspiritual like um, conversation, obviously, that was um, really interesting. Um, and yeah, I think that um, my- I think that's so necessary. Yeah. Like, I think that like that sort of conversation, not sort of def- that definite conversation of having um, differences combined make you realize that like things are not 
as different as they seem. And there's always something to learn and, and grow from. And understanding is, is very much so key. So um, that's so cool that you guys all did that. Like, that's incredible. I love that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely want to visit more places and give out our magazine and, you know, connect hopefully after this, you know, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think that with my voice, I've been able to grow a lot and I, you know, hopefully want to contribute more into, um, you know, the space that my voice has provided me with. Definitely. I, I, I love how you said um, initially, you know, you, you said you were a little bit of a shy person, but you love to connect. And I can definitely tell like you, you have, you're very articulate. You have so much going on inside your mind and um, just connecting and learning and growing is, is something I, I personally feel like just by this hour conversation with you that I can definitely tell um, you at a very young age are, are loving to do. So that's amazing. Yeah. But thank you so much for this conversation. And I really appreciate you opening up about so many different things. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Awesome. Okay. Okay. You have a great day and um, we'll hopefully talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>